0: All thanks and praise is due to God. We seek God's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in God from the evil within ourselves and the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever God guides will never be led astray. And whoever God allows to go astray will never find guidance. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah la shariq. I bear witness there is no God but God, alone without any partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad is God's servant and God's messenger. O you who believe, be mindful of God as is God's due, and make sure you devote yourselves to God to your dying moment. Indeed, with every hardship there is ease, verily, with every hardship, there is ease. For many of us, these two ayahs have seen us through difficult times. I'm sure you are all familiar with those words. We are often sustained by the belief that everything will get better, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reassures us. The common interpretation among commentators is that enduring hardship with patience will lead to ease in this life and the hereafter. So in other words, if we can survive the difficulty, we will be rewarded. Many of us relate to the idea that, for example, after the pain of childbirth, the pain was worth enduring because the mother is rewarded with a baby afterwards. But I have been thinking about these verses lately, especially in view of the human condition. What Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is telling us is that during the hardship, as it is happening, there is relief, or yusra. In another verse, he does tell us that God will grant after hardship, ease, in the Arabic, say And this actually is specifically mentioned in relation to divorce, interestingly. So how do we experience hardship and ease at the same time? How do we apply this in our daily lives? We can explore this concept from the micro to the macro at a purely biological level, We have known for some time that stress in the human, and most likely in other species, releases natural opioids known as endorphins. During exercise, like running, the pituitary gland secretes endorphins that cause analgesia, or pain relief, so you can run uh, and not feel any pain or discomfort, and sometimes people will describe a runner's high. These chemicals work in many ways, such as blunting the responsiveness of pain receptors in our skin. Other stressors produce similar effects, such as surgery, exposure to cold, childbirth. So biologically speaking, in response to the pain and hardship, our own bodies provide relief at the same time, mashallah. So is it possible that while we are in our toughest moments, the relief that we seek is already there? When our heart is broken, is it already healing? When we experience loss, does a simultaneous memory of love ease our pain. When we experience physical pain due to injury or childbirth, illness, is the relief we desire occurring at the same time? This is not to say that we don't need support when we're going through something difficult, whether anesthesia for surgery, obviously, or pain relief with medication or other forms of treatment. But the idea is to understand that what is going on within ourselves and perhaps not to succumb entirely to a sense of despair, even in a darkest moment. As we exercise and stretch our muscles, often causing discomfort, we are strengthening those muscles at the same time. Most of us understand this concept, which is why we put up with the pain when we are working out. And perhaps this is part of the concept that helps explain the the ayah we're talking about. When we experience pain and hardship, we also manage to grow in ways that at that time we might not be able to appreciate. We often see the meaning or effect of certain experiences much later, or we are tested in other ways and then realize that our past has prepared us for that very moment. In the year 2000, my father passed away suddenly three months after the birth of my third child. I never knew that the saying of feeling a hole in your stomach was actually real, but that's what it felt like for for probably a whole year. I grieved even as I struggled to raise my children, go to work, take care of everything in life as if nothing happened. Where was the yusra or ease during that time? For me, it came in the small moments of love and affection for my children and from my children, from my new baby, whose mere presence provided all of us with a sense of joy that we could not deny, despite our sadness. Focusing on the daily tasks of caring for them was a source of ease within the hardship of loss. Some days at work, I could barely keep myself together without decompensating in a flood of tears. And the kind words of my patients in those moments helped see me through that time. And what about on a social level? As a Palestinian American whose relatives live now under siege in Gaza, I often wonder if they take heart in the notion that with every hardship there is ease. For those living in poverty or subjected to violence and war, is it fair to suggest that during their suffering there is ease? I feel it's not for me to say But I think we we often sometimes will take comfort in the idea that at least they will have ease in the hereafter as God promises. The chapter in which these ayahs were revealed, called Al-Inshirah, addressed the prophet, peace be upon him, directly. God says, Have we not opened up your heart and lifted from you your burden? And behold, with every hardship comes ease. Verily, with every hardship comes ease. Hence, when you are freed from distress... Remain steadfast and unto your sustainer turn with love. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet and all of us is that we must always have hope, even in the darkest times. This is one of only very few instances in the Quran where God repeats a verse in succession to make the point, emphasizing that we must take it to heart, as if He's insisting on it. If we believe in the word of God, then we believe in this truth, that the ease or relief we seek already exists at that very moment. Perhaps we can't see or feel it right then. Perhaps we won't understand for some time, but this is how our faith is tested. And this surah is also about resilience, telling us to remain steadfast. Once we are freed from distress, we must turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with love and gratitude. In other faith traditions, there's this notion that suffering in this life is required to achieve bliss in the hereafter. Indeed, some Muslims may share this belief as well. But it's entirely possible for a person to live a life that is free of suffering, full of faith and devotion and righteousness that will weigh in the balance of goodness on the Day of Judgment. Sometimes, as I said earlier, we take comfort in the fact that at least in the hereafter, there will be relief, ease, and comfort that has been denied to so many in this life, and surely we know that to be true. But until that time, when we experience hardship of any kind in our lives, which we most certainly will, let us look to these ayats as a source of hope and faith in ourselves, in the human spirit, indeed the human body, and look at the simultaneous growth and well-being that might emerge even when we are in our most challenging moments. Make dua. Alhamdulillah, all praise and thanks are due to God alone. The Prophet, peace be upon him, reiterated the point of the ayah we are discussing in the following hadith from Sahih Ahmed. He said... Or he's reported to have said, Know that there is much good in being patient with what you detest. That victory will come with patience, affliction will come with relief, and hardship will come with ease. As we approach the holy month of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us again of His mercy in granting ease instead of hardship because fasting for some is difficult. There is renewed interest, as many of you probably know, among health practitioners, nutritionists, and others, in the benefits of intermittent fasting. So as we fast, our blood pressure drops, our blood sugar decreases, numerous other health benefits have been reported. With every hardship, there is ease. In Surat Al-Baqarah, in uh, Ayat 185, God says, It was the month of Ramadan in which the Quran was bestowed from on high as a guidance unto humankind and a self-evident proof of that guidance and as the standard by which to discern the true from the false. Hence, whoever of you lives to see this month shall fast throughout it, but whoever is ill or on a journey shall fast instead for the same number of other days. God wills that you shall have ease and does not will you to suffer hardship. Yuridu But God desires that you complete the number of days required and that you extol God for God's having guided you aright and that you render your thanks unto God. And in Surah Al-A'la, Allah reminds us, And we shall make easy for you the path towards ease, which is interpreted uh, by Muhammad Asad in his translation to mean the ease of mind, and peace of the spirit. Oftentimes we find ourselves in discussions with others and maybe even within our own minds about the notion that suffering exists despite an omnipotent God. People wonder why God allows pain and suffering to exist in the first place. That topic has preoccupied scholars and people of faith for millennia I have come to terms with this philosophical dilemma because of my own personal understanding of God, of creation, and of divine intervention. From my point of view, uh, in a general sense, we are all of the earth, and to it we shall all return. This is the saying we say from the Quran, but it's also coming back to the earth from whence we were created. So in essence, we're biological creatures and can have an effect on our reality to some extent, but we cannot control everything all the time. Death is a part of life, so natural disasters occur because of the laws of nature set into motion by God. Some people will be exposed and others will not. But what about when evil is perpetrated by humans against others? That is unique to us as a species. For the child who suffers abuse, where is the mercy of God? Why didn't he prevent that from happening? I accept that the explanation may be beyond my capacity to understand. And indeed, we look to the following verse from Surah Al-Baqarah as well. And lo, your sustainer said unto the angels, Behold, I am about to establish upon earth one who shall inherit it. They said, Will you place on it one who will spread corruption thereon and shed blood? where it is we who extol your limitless glory and praise you and hallow your name? God answered, verily, I know that which you do not know. So I accept that pain and hardship exist. They're part of the natural world. Our ability to overcome and grow in spite of that is what defines resilience and sets us apart. And I would argue is very individualistic. It's not for me to say what that looks like for each individual. Perhaps God is responding to our confusion about the world we live in by promising us that with every hardship there is ease. And in case we're in doubt, he says it again, as if he's saying, trust me, I promise, verily, with every hardship there is ease. Maybe it's hard to believe that, but this is almost like a God reaching out to us in a way to, to reassure us that things may not be as bad as we think. Recent events that have occurred in New Zealand and more recently in Sri Lanka bring this to mind. How is it possible for those who have suffered such horrific events to have a sense of yusra, or ease, in the midst of so much pain and hurt? Will there be small moments in their lives to provide comfort and solace and healing? One of the outcomes for us as communities of faith is that we must come together now more than ever to protect one another and provide support. And perhaps that is one manifestation of how our collective response to a grave injury to humanity will be a source of restoration and recovery in the aftermath. May we all find that we experience, al the ease in our most difficult moments, and that we do our part to ease the struggles of others whenever possible. As Surat al inshirah tells us, remain steadfast and unto your sustainer, turn with love. God commands justice, doing good, and generosity towards relatives, and God forbids what is shameful, blameworthy, and oppressive. God teaches you so that you may take heed. Recite what has been revealed to you of the book and stay consistent in prayer. Indeed, prayer restrains the human from wicked behavior, but the remembrance of God is even greater, and God knows everything you are doing. Wa'aqim salat, let us perform prayer.